And for the next few moments, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me. I want to invite you to open to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, if you have a Bible. If you don't have one, we're going to put these verses on the screen. But I want to take some time to just jump right into an invitation from God's Word to living water. An invitation to living water. John chapter 4 tells the story of a woman from Samaria who meets Jesus at a well, and she has a conversation. Now, now I've read this story many, many times this week, and I don't want you to miss the significance of it, so I'm going to start with the end. And I'm just going to tell you, this conversation leads to her salvation. And not just her salvation, but within two days' time, this conversation that this Samaritan woman has with Jesus leads to the salvation of many, many people in her community. And, and here's what I love about this story. When she meets Jesus, she doesn't have a clue who he is. She has no idea who Jesus is, and yet she's been looking for him all of her life. And can I tell you that is true of so many people today? So many people that, that are searching for something that would satisfy them, so, searching for something that would give them a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a place of belonging, and they don't know his name, but his name is Jesus. And they're looking for Jesus, the only one that can give us living water that satisfies our soul's desire. Many people look for it in accolades or accomplishments or, or, or a social status or a relationship. But the thing that we're actually thirsty for is the thing that only Christ himself can supply. And this story starts in John chapter 4 and verse 4. And it says, as John writes, now we had to go through Samaria. Now, John's writing from hindsight, but I can promise you in the moment, he probably didn't feel that certain about it. In fact, traditionally, there was not too many reasons that a Jewish group would travel through Samaria. Even if it's the most direct route to where you're going. There was tension and there was stigma between those two nations. And so you didn't travel through Samaria. And even for those that didn't really care about those social protocols and they just wanted to get from point A to point B, there were those people that would do it, but certainly not a Jewish rabbi. And so when, when Jesus tells them we're going through Samaria, I can imagine they probably protested. We, we don't want to do that, Jesus. And maybe he even said to them, no, you don't understand. I have to go through Samaria. And so John John writes with the clarity of hindsight and says, we had to go through Samaria. And, and can I just say today, I hope that when this service is over, when this hour is passed, that you would say with the same 2020 perspective that John wrote with, that you would say, I had to go to church today. I had to be there. I mean, maybe you just came to celebrate with another family. Maybe you came to show your support to somebody else. But can I tell you, God knows right where you're at. He knows right what you need. And he has a purpose for this hour. He has a divine design for your life. And I believe you're going to leave this place today with the same insight that John had and said, no, I definitely had to go to church today. Verse 6 tells us it was noon. It was noon in other words, it was the hottest part of the day. It's, it's the time of day when people don't usually go to the well. Why would you? Why would you want that chore in the hottest hour? And yet that's when Jesus got there and it says he sat down at the well. His disciples went into town to buy some food because they hadn't eaten anything. And so Jesus is there at this 
well at a time when pe- people don't typically go to drink or to draw water. And that's when this woman walks up. This Samaritan woman shows up. This is why Jesus had to go to Samaria. And can I just say to us today, Jesus knows right where you're at. Not only does he know where you're at, but he knows how to get your attention. He's willing to meet you where you are. It says in verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, and again, this is John giving us a little insight, parenthetically, they do not associate with Samaritans. There was this conflict that we don't have time to go into today, but you can read about it all the way back in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 17. Samaria had been taken over by the Assyrians, and and they they moved the people out, and they, they were dispossessed of their land. They were spread out everywhere, and then they brought in people from five different nations, who served all kinds of different gods. And and then the Samaritans, some of them began to worship the Lord, God of Israel again, but they never got rid of the foreign gods. Some of those foreign gods they worshiped, they actually participated in child sacrifice. They believed the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, but they disregarded the prophets and the Psalms. And so there was so much tension that, that this woman gets it. She's like, who are you asking me for a drink? Even if a Jew would be in Samaria, even if a Jew would talk to a Samaritan, I'm a Samaritan woman. And culturally, that's inappropriate. And and it's especially inappropriate that you would ask me for a drink. You don't drink from the same instrument we drink from. And so this woman just rejects Jesus' request spiritually when Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? He's speaking to a deeper thirst, but she's not at that place. She's seeing red flags. I mean, here's this strange guy asking me for a drink. And then if the conversation wasn't already already a little bit awkward, Jesus makes it really weird. Now, take off your spiritual lenses for a moment because we we tend to read the Bible with rose-colored glasses. Just put yourself in her situation, all right? You're a woman walking up to the well by yourself. There's a strange man there. He's asking you for a drink. He's he's missing all the social cues and the protocols. And so you politely reject the invitation, and then he responds like this, verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, Now, when we read living water, we think of all the spiritual depth to it. Living water was the water that was used for purification rituals. Living water was the only kind of water that could take a a sinful person and make them an acceptable worshiper in God's sight. And and if you know this chapter, you know he's going to talk about acceptable worship, and maybe your mind goes there. Isaiah 55, 1, God invites us, come, anyone who is thirsty, come and drink freely of the waters of life. And so our mind goes there, but she's not having a spiritual conversation right now. She's having a very practical conversation. And anytime a guy talks about himself in third person, come on, that's weird. 
I don't know how it played out, but in her mind and in mine, maybe it was like, hey, if you knew what kind of guy was talking to you, you'd be asking me for a drink. She's going, whoa, buddy. Not having a spiritual conversation here. She says in verse 11, sir, like distance, (laughs) sir, the woman said, you've got nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where are you even going to get this living water? You know, she's, not only is it impractical, like you don't even have anything to draw water with. That's why you ask me for a drink. Now, how are you going to give me a drink? It's also a little bit offensive. Like she's here at Jacob's well, and he's like, I've got better water than your water. And so she says in verse 12, look at it. Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well and who drank from it himself, as did also his sons? and his livestock, the, the, the Starbucks they're hanging out at, she's saying, look, this is the place that way before Moses ever got the Ten Commandments, Abraham, the father of our faith, was told he'd be the father of many nations, and that began with one son, Isaac, and that son had a son named Jacob. God changed his name to Israel. He had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel, and that Jacob dug this well. You got better water than that? So she's offended. But Jesus, he just takes the conversation a little deeper. This is how gracious he is. You know, when we start putting up our defenses and our presumptions of what we know and what we understand, he just continually draws the conversation out. He says in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never Thirst, indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Can I tell you clearly, Jesus is talking about in this moment the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God coming and filling a person's life that they can experience that soul-quenching water and never thirst again. In the same way, you say, how do you know that's who he's talking about? Because when John wrote this, he wanted to be crystal clear about it. He wanted to make sure we understood what Jesus meant when he said the living water. And he records another story just a couple pages over in your Bible in John chapter 7. He tells another story about a moment where Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the festival, it says. In other words, what he said to one woman in an isolated conversation, he now says in the public square. And in John 7, 37, it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John adds the clarification in verse 39. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, but up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Hear me today, friends. The Holy Spirit is the one who can refresh your soul. He is the only one who can satisfy your longing your thirst for meaning, for contentment, for 
purpose, for identity, for belonging. In the, the living water, the advantage to the living water is that it keeps flowing. It keeps flowing. It's not a one-time experience that you go, oh, yeah, back, back in 2012, I had this experience with God, and that was awesome, and wouldn't it be good if that happened again? No, the living water flows. See, in a physical sense, living water just meant water that flows. So when Jesus said, I'll give you living water, she's just thinking rivers, streams, not ponds and cisterns. Like, not stagnant water, water that flows. So that sounds pretty good, but Jesus is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, friends, there's a lot of wells you can drink from, and they will actually satisfy you, but only for a moment. I'm not going to lie to you and say that there aren't things in this world that will satisfy your desires. We all know that to be the case. In fact, the Bible even says sin is pleasurable for a season. How many of you know seasons change? You have your kicks, but then you have your kickbacks. But there are things that can satisfy your desire. And there are many people today who are running after those wells. Maybe it's a well of relationships. Running from one relationship to another, trying to find that fulfillment, that desire to be accepted, to be loved. Maybe it's a, an occupation. If I could just grab the, the brass ring of success, then I will have satisfied my appetite for significance. Maybe it's belonging. Maybe it's the words you never heard as a child from a parent, and you're running after that sense of acceptance, that identity. There are many, many wells that we can dive deep into to try to satisfy that appetite. But the invitation from Jesus is not, let me give you something that satisfies. It's let me give you water that will satisfy and you'll never thirst again. That this is more than just a temporary reprieve. This is, this is something that satisfies the thirst of your very soul. The question is, are you thirsty for that? The question is, do you want to drink from a deeper well that never runs dry? Now, now this woman, she's not there yet. She's not there. Jesus is, is making the offer here. Look at verse 15. The woman says to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Again, she's not having a spiritual conversation. She's having a very practical conversation. I came here for water. It's hot. You're in my way. If you have water that I can actually drink and never get thirsty, prove it. Go ahead and give me some of that water because I don't want to walk up this hill. I don't want to drop this bucket down this nine feet wide and 109 foot deep well that Jacob gave us. I would much rather just get one drink from a living source and never get thirsty again. But then the conversation becomes spiritual really quick because Jesus does something in the power of the Holy Spirit that he's inviting her to. He operates in a gift of the Spirit. The Bible calls it a word of knowledge. In other words, Jesus says something to her that he could not have known about her unless the Spirit of God revealed it to him. And when he all of a sudden operates in the gift of the Spirit, now they're on the same page. Look at verse 16. It says he told her, when she said, give me some of that water, he said, okay, 
call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. So what you have just said is quite true. How many of you know he got her attention now? Going, who this? You've been trolling me on Facebook? Like what? Like, who'd you say you were? All of a sudden, and can I just say to us today, friends, this is why a demonstration of the Spirit's power is so important. It's so important that, that we, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. That there ought to be evidence in our lives and in our church that what we're talking about is not just talk, but there is substance to it. That's why Paul the Apostle, when he, when he wrote, this guy, by the way, wrote two-thirds of the letters in the New Testament. And yet when he wrote to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said these words. He said, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. Verse 4, he said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, make no mistake about it. Paul could be very wise and persuasive. The guy was brilliant. But he said, the reason your life changed when I came and preached the gospel to you was not because I was eloquent, not because I, I coerced you or convinced you. The reason your life changed is because the demonstration of the Spirit's power was at work in your midst. And can I tell you today, church, that's what you're seeing today. Those that have stepped into the waters of baptism today, those that are making a commitment to lead their family, those that are taking another step in covenant with their church, you're seeing demonstration of the Spirit's power at work in them that believe. That's what's happening today. Lives are changed when they drink from a living well. So Jesus just pulls back the curtain for a moment and shows her what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. When do you think he knew about her five divorces? Do you think it was when she asked him for a drink? He was like, oh, okay, you're that kind of lady. Or do you think it was when he asked her for a drink? Or do you think maybe Maybe Jesus knew her whole story, her baggage, her history, her five divorces, and the, the life that she's living in fornication with a man she's not married to. Maybe, just maybe, he knew all of that back in verse 4 when he said, we have to go to Samaria. Jesus knows your whole story, and yet when she comes walking up the hill, he doesn't say, hey, what's up with you sleeping around? I mean, come on, there's lots of people, let me just say this, there's lots of people that love Jesus, they're in the church, and they've experienced divorce for justifiable reasons. But if you've had five, you're the problem. Let me just, let me just say, it's you, friend. That's the best counsel I can give you. You know, if, if Butch has a problem with Mary, and, and Joe has a problem with Mary, and, and Doug has a problem with Mary, Mary's the problem. But Jesus doesn't come and throw her life, her past in her face. 
He doesn't condemn her. What does he do? He invites her to sit down. He in, in welcomes her into a conversation. He begins to give her the offer of the gospel. He begins to offer her living water. If there's anything that you can be grateful for today, you ought to be grateful about this. God's criteria for meeting your needs today is not your past behavior. It's your present belief. Amen. Religion says if you behave and you believe, you can belong. But Jesus isn't peddling religion. He's offering a relationship. And Jesus says, belong. Just belong. Just come as you are. And belong. Why? Because Jesus knows that he's going to do a work. Streams of living water are going to flow from your inmost being. And it's a work from the inside out. As you find acceptance and the embrace of a loving Savior, your thoughts are going to change. Your mind is going to be renewed in Christ Jesus, the word said. And what follows your thoughts are your actions. Your belief will change. Your behavior will begin to change. And after a little while, you're going to look down into the reflection of the living well that never runs dry. And you're going to see the image of Jesus in your own life. And you're going to say, how did I get here? Because you belong. Because you accepted the invitation to come and drink freely from the waters of life. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. And, and I want to just say it, what happened in the next few verses, it happens so often today. And I hope you won't do this. I hope you won't do what she did in verse 19 through 24. I mean, this woman has just had Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put his finger on the biggest issue of her life. By the way, that's what only the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit can look at a, a crowded room like this on a Sunday morning, and he can take the words that he spoke to me throughout this week that I've written down in my notes, and while I'm speaking in a very general sense, the Holy Spirit will draw out the very deepest issue of your life. And that's what happened for her. The well that she had run to in all these relationships trying to find her significance in somebody else's story instead of discovering her own identity in Christ Jesus. Running after physical intimacy and, and all of those things that she was trying to get to, to satisfy her soul's desire, Jesus called it out. He revealed the empty pursuits of her life. And then you know what she does? When she feels the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Right away, she backpedals into a theological debate. That's what so many people do. They, they come into a service like this, and God is moving. The Holy Spirit is doing something that's unseen in the room, and it's, it's deep, and, and you just sense God's calling you. But then you start, you start turning it into some theological de debate in, in your mind. You start thinking, well, what are the implications of this politically? What are the implications of this, you know, socially? How, how does it, what about, what about creation? I mean, was it, was it really six literal days or was it millions? What about the dinosaurs? What about the end times? I, I, I mean, what, what, is, what does this have to do with, with, with Russia and, and Ukraine? And what we do is we start making it about culture 
and styles and people start thinking about the church culture and how you worship and, and how we used to do it at this church. And that's exactly what this woman does. She makes it a theological debate. But Jesus lovingly just presses in to the issue because it's not about church culture and it's certainly not about American culture. It's about being in a moment where the Holy Spirit reveals to you the empty, empty wells you've been going to to satisfy your life in a way that only Jesus can. And when he points that out to you, there's only one appropriate response, and it's to receive. It's to drink deeply from the living waters of salvation. It says in verse 25, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. That's what people do. They, when they start to get in a moment where they feel like maybe God wants me to take another step, they start trying to kind of validate how far they've already come. Like, oh, I, I know scripture too. Oh yeah, I, I, I went to church as a kid. God's not looking at your past failures. He's not looking at your past success either. And she says, I, I know that he'll explain everything when he comes. He'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, verse 26, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. In other words, stop searching. Stop waiting. What I'm talking about is available right here, right now. I'm here. You know, what's interesting is is the first time that Jesus actually admitted that out loud. At 30 years old, he didn't decide to, to break that little truth bomb out on a Sunday morning in church. He didn't say it to his most intimate friends. He's sitting by himself with a woman who's far from God and, and under normal circumstances would never have this opportunity. But Jesus had to be there. He had to go there. And he reveals to her in this moment a word of grace. I am the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the one you're looking for. Friends, today I present to you this Jesus. I present to you the one who can satisfy the longing of your heart. That you would never have to run after other things to give you fulfillment, to give you acceptance, to give you identity and purpose. You never have to look for another source of accomplishment or accolades. You never have to run after another relationship to find fulfillment. So when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you can know. You can know that you were created for a purpose. That God is crazy about you. And that your life is in his hand. That's the offer that Jesus gives. Today's not about church membership. Today's not about child dedication. Today is not even about water baptism. Today is about people from every age and stage of life taking one step closer to Jesus to recognize that in his grace he has drawn living waters. If you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, you can drink. So today I, I want to pray for everyone that's in this house today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I trust the Holy Spirit loves you enough to do what he did for that woman at that well and point his finger 
to the very thing in your life that you've been drawing from that has kept you from fully surrendering to Jesus. I wanna ask you to bow your head with me and close your eyes while I pray. I wanna ask you to just lock your focus in on you and the Lord right now. Just for a moment, block out the fact that you're in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning crowded with other people. Would you just sit down at the well with Jesus for a moment? Would you hear the invitation to drink living water? If you're here today and you're thirsty, if you're here today and you need Jesus to satisfy your soul, today you need to forsake other pursuits, other things that you've looked for and longed for and hoped would give you meaning and significance today. You need to just put all of your trust in Jesus and in him alone. If that's you today and you say, I need to, I need to put my trust in Jesus. I need, to, I need to pursue him with everything. I need a drink from the fountain that would satisfy my soul. If that's you right now, I want to ask you to make a decision and take a step of faith by just lifting up your hand and saying, that's me. I'm going to pray for you in a moment, but I want to know who I'm praying for today. Would you be so bold right now as to raise your hand? Thank you, sir. Raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you. Hands are going up all over this room. This is an opportunity. Listen, this is not about me. This is about you and Jesus right now to say, Jesus, I need, I need a soul-quenching drink from the fountain of life. Thank you. You can put your hand back down after you've raised it. I'm asking for the last time. Anyone else say, Pastor, that's me today. Pastor, that's me. I had to be in God's house today. I had to be here to receive this message. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. And I want to ask everyone in this house to just rally around those that have raised their hand. Would you pray this prayer with us? Come on, everybody, say this after me. Say, dear God, I'm thirsty. I need what you can supply. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he sent his spirit. And I receive his spirit now. Fill my life. Forgive my sins. Give me a new start. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my leader. satisfy my longing in Jesus name and all God's people said amen amen come on if you're thankful give him a hand clap of praise today Jesus we worship you Lord we drink deeply of your goodness we drink deeply of your grace and of your love I want to ask you all over this room if you'd stand with me we're going to end today with just celebrating, but I, I got to give you the end of the story really quick. I know my time's up, but I need, you to, I need you to know what happened. This Samaritan woman, after she experienced the invitation that we just experienced, the Bible says she ran back to the town. She left her bucket there. In other words, the thing that she was desiring, her, her desires changed. God can do that for you in a moment. I believe God can deliver you from addiction in a moment. You can come, 
carrying a bucket of bondage, but you can leave God's house today saying, I don't even want that anymore. I found a, I found a living well. She left it there and she ran back to the town. And it says in verse 29, we'll put this on the screen. I know you put your Bible down. It says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 30 says, they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Church, this is the power of a personal testimony. A personal testimony. All these people from the town came out to see Jesus because she said, come and see. Come and meet a man. I'm sure when she said that, they were like, another one? Like, really? But she's like, no, come and meet a man who knew everything about me. Knows all the stuff I've done. And he still welcomed me. He shared the good news. He shared the gospel. He didn't make an offer based on my past behavior. He made an offer based on my present belief. You got to meet this man. The offer that she gave was the same one that Jesus gave in John chapter 1 when Andrew wanted to know where Jesus was staying he said come and see the same offer that Philip gave to Nathaniel when Nathaniel was like can anything good come out of Nazareth and Philip said come and see and Jesus said to her come and see and now she goes back and she tells the whole town you got to you got to meet this Jesus let me show you the end of the chapter. Verse 39 says, Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Church, here's my heart's desire for me, for all of us. One day, don't you want to have somebody come up to you in heaven and say, I'm here because of your testimony. I'm here because of what you said God did in your life. I pray that there, there are people that Come up to Cooper one day and say, I'm here because of your testimony. And those that were baptized in the 830 service, they say, I'm here because of your testimony of what God did in your life. And then it says, so when the Samaritans then came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Isn't that awesome? I believe it's going to happen. I believe because you have a testimony, because God has given you a drink of living water and you've experienced new life. You're going to share that story and people are going to come. They're going to come to know Jesus. They're going to come into the doors of the church. More importantly, they're going to enter into the kingdom. But they're going to get to a place where they say, I got here because you testified. But I stand here because I know for myself, Jesus is the well that never runs dry. One day they'll, they'll step into the waters. One day you'll see their testimony on the screen. And they'll say, I found Jesus. I've got a testimony today. Listen, church, as we leave this house today, I want you to leave with a testimony. And we're going to leave declaring that today. 
Because the truth is, if you're, if you're not dead, God's not done. He's still building his kingdom. He's still building his church. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me to do it.